all month long on Sundays, we have been focused on gifts that come from knowing Jesus, who is the Christ. Christ is a term for Savior of the world. Christ is not his last name. It's a term that means, Jesus, you're the Savior. You're everything. Now, I want you to think about this. Christmas is really unique because Christmas is the one holiday in which we do all of this gift giving. We don't do it on the 4th of July. We don't do it on Easter. Even on your birthday, somebody will, you know, you'll get a gift from, one gift from somebody. But Christmas is the only holiday that gifts are given to all. By the way, this is the reason why stores are so happy with all of us on Christmas. Am I right? How many of you kiddos that are here this morning with us, you took your parents to the, like the Target toy section this month and you showed them exactly what Santa wants, what you want them to, yeah, several of you. You know, I was there too. It's like stores love us because at Christmas we give gifts to all. Now, what is it about gift giving? You might say that gift giving incarnates the central event of Christmas. That is... That Jesus Christ was not just born, but the Bible says that Jesus Christ was given. In fact, take a look at this scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 32. The Apostle Paul writes to the church and he says, He, being God, didn't spare his own son, but what did he do? He gave him for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously then, if he gave us Jesus, give us everything else. Do you remember what we've said that Jesus is like? Jesus is like a cup of water that just keeps overflowing. Once you've received him, he says there's so much more. The prophet would say of Jesus, for unto us a child is given, for unto us a son is born. Now, think about that child. Because Paul the apostle would describe the gift and he would call it an inexpressible gift. He would say, man, we can't even describe it. Now, if you were to talk to me about gifts, I'd say there are three things about gifts that make them so much fun that I'm just going to draw your attention to and I want to meditate on today. Three facets of a gift that make them so great. Number one is this, if you just write it down. Have you noticed some gifts are really surprising? Write that down. Some gifts are really surprising. How many of you have noticed that? How many of you have ever received a surprise gift? Yeah. All of you, probably, most of you. Now, some gifts are obvious. Not every gift is obvious. But, for example, we've tried to conceal this as best we can. But who can tell me what this is exactly? Yeah, it's a bicycle. And uh, I don't know who's getting that, but I'm excited for them. Other gifts, though. Do you remember when you were a kid on Christmas... And uh, nobody was, you know, the parents weren't around. In fact, you waited for them to leave until the most opportune moment. And then you went under the tree and you started just sneaking a peek. Let's admit it, who here sneaked a peek? Yeah, yeah, we all did. I did too. And you'd go in, you'd go under the tree, and you'd just sort of look. And if you were really bold... You looked at how meticulously those presents were wrapped, but you started to peel the tape, didn't you? And you started to sort of open it up and take a good look. And and, uh, I'm going to say this. Some gifts are surprises. Some are obvious. But the best gifts, the power and delight, the giftness of the gift, you might say, is greatly enhanced when it really is something that surprises you. When you can say... Man, I didn't expect this. I wasn't even looking for it. But then you have it and you say, this is exactly what I needed. 
Now, friends, listen to me. I want to submit to you this on Christmas. The way you can tell the difference between a person who has had a transforming experience of Jesus Christ and a person who's just had formal religion is the person who's had a transforming experience of Jesus Christ will always say, I've been surprised. Because Jesus always surprises you. For example, I want you to think back. Maybe you're here and you've been a Christian a long time. And you can think back to the time that you were converted. Maybe three months ago. Maybe three years ago. Maybe 30 years ago. And maybe when you walked into a church, you came in looking for a little help. (laughs) You came in, you were looking for just a little bit of inspiration. But since then, you've been surprised because you've given your life over to Jesus. There's been a watershed moment in your life. And Jesus has begun to change everything in ways that you couldn't have expected. In fact, Jesus has probably poked around in your life more than you wanted him to. Now that you have it, though, you say, this is exactly what I needed. Let me tell you something, friend. If you really accept Jesus, if you really have a moment with him there will always be an unexpected surprise that he begins to do. And I'd say, welcome it. In fact, I'd say this, listen, if that's not happened to you, if Jesus has never surprised you, if you've just gone through the motions and he's never poked around in your life where you've thought, oh, I I didn't expect him to do that, I'm going to suggest this to you. You've probably not met him yet. In fact, can I just say this? You probably haven't even really rejected the real Jesus. You may have said, no, I've rejected Jesus. I've rejected religion. You probably haven't rejected the real Jesus yet because until he starts poking around where you don't want him, you've not met him. Because Jesus will always surprise you. Now, that's exactly why you say, why are you saying all this? Well, this is the reason people rejected him when he came in the first place. Notice what it says. We all know he came to earth. We celebrate Christmas. Look at this scripture. Let's read it together. It says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Why? Why, my goodness, did people not receive Jesus? This is the reason. Listen, Jesus was so startling. He wasn't at all what you expected. Do you remember after Jesus went to the cross and he died and he was rose again, he went to be with the Father. It says that all of the followers that were left, they assembled in an upper room. And then it says how many there were. Does anybody here remember how many? There, no, not 12, a little more than that. That's a great guess though. That is a great guess. Anybody else remember? 10? No, a little bit more than that. A little bit more. That's such a good guess. Anybody else? I heard it. There were 120 people left. Now, you might say that's a lot, but I want you to think about this. There were thousands of people that followed Jesus. Thousands and multitudes and multitudes. But somehow, after Jesus lived and died and rose, there were only 120 left. Why do you think that is? I'm going to tell you why. It's because this Jesus wasn't what they expected. He surprised them. And because he surprised them, many of them walked away. And do you know why they walked away? Because they refused to be surprised. Friends, can I give you some friendly advice? Don't be refused to be surprised by Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've come. Let's talk to our adults for a minute. Maybe some of you adults are here this Christmas morning. Maybe you're a guest and you'd say, you know, I've walked in here because my career is stalled. 
I need some help with something. Maybe you say, I'm here because I'm kind of lonely. I I need a relationship. Maybe you're here because you say, I'm having some problems. But I want to say to you, if you get introduced to Jesus, he's going to surprise you. You are going to get so much more than you bargained for. And the advice is, take it. Welcome him into your life and let him start dealing with you in ways that you just don't expect. Welcome him. Say, God, come. Come into my life and meet me. Let's do that for a few minutes while we worship him Christmas style. We just stand up and let's welcome him together. Let's worship.
You can be seated. Man, was anybody dancing? All right, good. Hey, we're doing gifts here, and I've got some more. Are we ready? All right. Pastor Andrew, you out there? Uh, brother, listen to this. We have a Keurig coffee machine here. No, I'm serious. Yeah. So I just wonder, who likes coffee for Christmas? Boy, I... Uh, I'd say, you choose, man. You choose... The person with the, with the, the person who can sing the loudest Christmas song. Ready? You know, it looks like Santa also dropped off a little something. There's this really fun place called Bolero. And it's a bowling place, but specifically for families. And it is a lot of fun. I mean, it is a blast. So if you want to go there and have a party, I have a $50 gift card to Bolero. Colin, you still over there? All right. Colin, I'm going to let you take this. Give this to somebody here. Make your choice wisely. Now, if you remember, I mentioned that some gifts are surprising. And, of course, I mentioned that Jesus will surprise you. I want you to write the second thing down. Some gifts show you what you need. Some gifts will show you what you need. In other words, what I mean by that is some gifts will show you what's lacking. Some gifts reveal what's missing. Some gifts sometimes reveal that you have a problem. And, uh, you know, it's funny because somebody handed me, I, I love getting presents for Christmas. And one of the nice things, honestly, about being a pastor is occasionally somebody will get me a Christmas present. Pastor, thank you, you know, for the year. It's been good. And they'll give me a Christmas present. And so somebody said, Pastor, I want you to have this. And I just said, cool, I'll open it in front of everybody. They're like, all right, here we go. So let's, you mind if I share this with you? Let's see what they got me. What they think of me. Listerine mouthwash. <laughs> Do you guys agree that I need that? I'm not quite sure what to think about that. Listen, I know who gave that to me, and we were at coffee. You had bad breath too. We all did. And of course, somebody else gave me this one. What do you think this is? Anybody have an idea? What do you think? Oh, you think so? Are you saying something about me? Huh? Okay, anybody else have an idea? Shampoo. Shampoo. It might be. Who knows? Yes, right there. Deodorant. Oh, you saying I need deodorant? What are you saying? All right. Yeah, way in the back. He's shaking his hand. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> okay, I know you, brother, and we're going to have it out outside. 
I, can I just tell you, this is a choice. And it's a legitimate style. He said I needed a wig if you didn't hear. All right, let's see what this is. Here we go. It is. It's a scale. Can I just say, did anybody else get one of these? Ladies, how many of you would be happy if this is what your husband brought you on Christmas morning? Oh, I do not want to tell you what that says. Well, some gifts really do demonstrate a need. In fact, here's what I'd say. Some gifts are downright insulting. Now, I just want to suggest this to you, that the gift of Jesus Christ should not only surprise you, but the truth is he will insult you. Here's why. If you receive Jesus, it's always demonstrating a lack of something that you don't have. If you receive Jesus, what you're willing to say is, I need him. I can't make it without him. You know, for those skeptics that say that religion or that Christianity specifically is a crutch for the weak, that's not wrong. They're only wrong insofar as it's far more than a crutch. The person who comes to Jesus realizes that they are so in need. They are so in need of a Savior. They are so racked by their own life choices and their own sin that they've said, I know that I need a Savior. In fact, do you know the only thing that you really need to do to be saved is you need to lay down your pride. You need to lay down your ego. See, there's this great scripture and it says, for it is by grace. What is grace? Somebody told me years ago that the best way to understand grace is to turn it into an acronym. So if we could do that together, grace would stand for God's riches, G-R, God's riches at Christ's expense. Meaning God wants to give you as a gift his blessing. He wants to save you. He wants to love you. But you only get it at the expense of Christ. You can't pay for it. You know, I talk to people all the time who are skeptical of Christianity, and there are some people who get so irritated by what I'd call the only wayness of Christianity. In other words, they're irritated by the fact that Jesus said something kind of offensive. You ready for it? Look at what Jesus said. Watch up here, this scripture coming up on the screen. Jesus said, let's read it together. I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so what they'll say is, man, that sounds narrow. Wow, that sounds awfully exclusive. How do you Christians actually believe that? And usually they'll go on and they'll say something like, you know, I, I don't believe that, but I believe that anyone who's good, anyone who's moral, Anyone who's loving can reach God. And I'm going to say to you, that sounds very open-minded, except it's actually not open-minded. Because I want to ask you right now, who can be moral enough? Who can be good enough? Who can be loving enough? By that standard, you're more exclusive. Because no one can get in. In fact, I just suggest that you think about it a little differently. Don't think of Jesus as exclusive Think of it this way. Sin is a poison. Jesus is the cure. Are you going to blame the cure for being exclusive? Are you going to say, well, I refuse to take that thing that will make me healthy simply because I have to take it? No, it's a cure. Now, do you know why people want their own cure? Because people want to do it on their own, especially Americans. Americans don't want to admit their own need. We are the land of independence. 
to admit, to admit dependence on someone other than ourselves, that's a hard thing to do. But God says, Jesus says, you can't receive me unless you're willing to admit your own need. So, some gifts, they'll surprise you. Jesus will certainly surprise you. He'll give you more than you bargained for. Some gifts will insult you, and he'll certainly do that because you'll have to admit that you need him. But let me give you the third quality of a gift. You ready for this Christmas? Write this down. Some gifts are deeply personal. How many of you have ever gotten a very, very personal gift? Something that you just loved. Let me see your hands. You know, probably the, one of the most personal gifts that I ever received um, my grandma made it for me. I was born, and as a little baby, I did not get to know her. She died before I could know her. But she started to crochet together a little carpet for me with a clown that had my name on it. She passed away before she could finish it. It's left undone. But I have just enough of it, and my grandma that I never met, I still have it in a box. And you know, Christmas presents that are deeply personal, how many of you have ever had a blanket, for example? Come on. Admit it. Who will admit? Who still has it? Who still has the one stuffed animal that made the cut after all those years? Yeah, it just becomes so personal. And it's these kind of presents that you just look at and you're filled with joy. It swells up. Now listen to me, friends. Jesus Christ is deeply personal. Because who do you have in Jesus? You have God with us. You have Emmanuel. God with us or close to us, God vulnerable, God open, God relatable, God accessible. Do you know what was given to us at Christmas? Have you ever stopped to meditate on this? I want you to think about this today when you're watching your Christmas movie that we're giving you all. Think about this. What was given to you at Christmas? A baby. And not just a baby, but an infant. Now, in the Old Testament, when God appeared, he would always appear in intimidating forms. He appears uh, to uh, Abraham, for example, as a smoking furnace. He appears to Moses as a burning, blazing tree. He appears as a tornado to Job. Then he appears as a pillar of fire to the people of Israel. And if you've read the Old Testament, you'll remember he appeared as the blinding Shekinah glory of God coming down. Very intimidating. But on Christmas morning, suddenly he appears as an infant. Why? Well, I just suggest there's nothing more accessible than an infant. In fact, I've had three infants. Can I just tell you, I highly recommend you get one of your own. Infants are awesome. There is nothing like having a baby. Parents, am I right? I mean, you have a baby, and here's what's so great about them. Your little baby, when they're an infant, is totally open to you. I mean, you can kiss it, and it can't do anything about it. Inside, it may be saying, stop it, I hate this. Who cares? In fact, I always joke with my oldest son's um, wife, I always joke that she'll never catch up to my kisses. Because when he was a baby, I just couldn't stop. You know that old expression, when they're a cute baby, you could just, what, eat them up. You know, that's pretty gross, by the way. But it's this idea that they're accessible, and you can hug them, and you can kiss them, and you can love them. But have you noticed, they get to be about two, three, four years old, and what happens? Man, barriers start to go up. You, you don't have that accessibility anymore. Now listen, Jesus Christ could have come as anything. Jesus Christ could have come as two, three, could have come as an adult. He could have come in all of his glory, but he chose to come as an infant. Why? 
Because what he wanted to say to you and what he wanted to say to me is this holy God, this boundless God, beauty beyond understanding, unassailable majesty, this God has become someone you can hug, you can love, accessible. And he became so vulnerable that the Bible says he went and died on a cross so that the barriers between us and God could come down so that we could know him. Do you know what it's like? I learned this when I was about 18 years old. Let's say that this is God, and God, of course, is in heaven, and we all want to get to God, and we all want to attain to his presence, and we want to know that he, we please him, and our life has pleased him. And let's say that I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm right here, and I'm trying to get to God, and I'm doing my very, very best, but as close as I get to God, I have this little thing in my life called sin, and my sin is always with me everywhere I go. And I'm trying to get to him. And I'm, maybe I'm going to church. Maybe I'm paying tithes and offerings. Maybe I'm reading my Bible. But as close as I want to get to God, there's something always blocking the way. What is that? It's sin. The Bible says when Jesus Christ came to earth, when God took on the form of man and became a baby, and he died on that cross, he laid all our sin upon himself. So now nothing has to prevent me from coming to God. He's a God you can hug, you can know, you can relate to. Do you know the value of this gift? Friend, listen, if Moses heard us talking about Emmanuel, if he read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he'd be jumping up and down. What does that say? 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read it together. For God made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God displayed in the face of Christ. You know, Abraham would be jumping up and down saying, do you realize what you get when you get Jesus? Are you filling your mind with the light of the glory of God and the value of the gift? Friends, I just want to ask you, you're here today and you're a Christian. Are you bored? Is it become routine? Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian and you're having trouble with self-control and making the right decisions. Or maybe you're here today and you'd say, I'm a Christian, but I'm discouraged. Can I just tell you, it could be you've lost the sense of the value of the glorious thing that lives inside you. You've lost that sense of it, that Jesus Christ broke the barrier. That sense that when you receive Christ, you receive the Christ, the living God. And he comes in and his nature, his power, his life, it comes in and his very presence comes in and starts to slowly transform you. Now, have you lost sight of that? Maybe you're here and you're a skeptic. The best advice that I could give you is be open for surprises. I dare you today. I dare you to do what I did when I was 17 years old when I said, God, if you're real, show up. Show me yourself. And then it was unbelievable over the next several weeks what God began to do in my life and how he began to reveal himself to me and open my eyes. Thanks be to God, it says, for his inexpressible gift. Guys, that's worth saying Merry Christmas. Turn to somebody and say Merry Christmas. I hope you know what you got. Let's pray. Father, thank you for every person here, every man, every woman. God, your strength and your power that is with us. And 
Lord, only you can reveal who you are. Only you can convict of sin. All we give are words, but you give words power. So would you illuminate for people who you are today? Help them to know you. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name.